welcome to another edition of The Unicorns. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, mentors, innovators, entrepreneurs, and people with an interesting story to tell. My guest today ticks all of those boxes. Fred Chibesta is the co-founder and CEO of finder.com.au, a business that began as a comparison website for credit cards, but is now so much more. It's a business that in recent years has exploded in growth, not only in Australia, but around the world. The business employs over 400 people and operates globally in over 20 countries. Fred Shibesta, welcome to the program. Thanks very much. And everyone who's tuned in, you found the best podcast right now. So subscribe. <laughs> there, you, there you go. Okay, let, let's go back in time. Let's wind the clock back to your final year of school, if I was to talk to some of your teachers, what would they have said about your prospects for employment? (laughs) Um, I'd say they would be worried and concerned. Um, I I think, you know, I, I, I focus on things that I want to focus on and I, you know, I, I didn't perform terribly at school um, academically. Were you, I, good, I, were you a good student? I don't think I was a good student. I was always a rebel and trying to cause trouble or push the limits wherever I possibly could. Um, but, I, you know, I think I also participated in a few, you know, comp- competitive sports and um, I actually played very competitive chess, which a lot of people don't know. Um, you know, I played a lot of competitive tennis, um, you know, at the top level. Um, but, you know, I don't think people, you know, they saw me as that's another sort of side is that strategic side. Um, and, you know, I think uh, and I, for certain teachers, I commanded quite a bit of respect in that way. But for others, they, you know, they saw me as more of a reb- the rebellious kid with long hair, you know, <laughs> always trying to get it, get up to no good. So you get to the end of year 12, I presume you finish year 12, and, and then then what happens? What do you do straight out of school? Well, during those times, it was 98, I, I went to university in Macquarie, but I was, I was playing around with the internet at the time, and um, I thought, you know, I had some very basic coding skills, and I still only have very basic coding, coding skills, but just enough to be dangerous enough. Um, and I started unpacking and looking at web pages going, Hey, I can actually see the formula here. This, this makes sense how it all sort of stitches together. And I just, one day I, I put up a, I remember I, we had dial up modems back then to give you context. I I remember them. Uh, and you know, we, we, I actually put up a GeoCities site, which was actually built onto Yahoo. Um, and that's going way back. Uh, GeoCities is closed down these days, but, um, it was a free service and you could build a little website and I, I, I put a few, I put a website up there and I showed my friend and he said, wow, that's the future. And I said, yeah, I think it is. And then we went and we spent all our time trying to build websites, you know, trying to learn how, to, how the internet worked and how to code it. And, it, you know, in, let me just give context as well. In Australia, it was not a very internet forward country. It, it, you know, a lot of the internet was constructed out of Europe and um, America. And um, 
you know, I think obviously that's where they was invented, but I think a lot of the technologies that were being created and the languages were being built out of there. And so it's very hard to get learnings and ask someone else. You'd have to just learn from the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yep. and, 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 and so, you know, the first thing, the next thing we did was we, we actually, one of my next door neighbors asked me one day, said, what are you up to? I said, well, I'm playing a lot of computer games and building websites. He said, well, have you sold any? I said, no. He said, well, come around to my house and build my website. Um, and so we sold our first website back then. And I think it was 2001. And we started building more websites and, and we built a little web, web development business out of that. And, and, you know, I think mastering that customer service and sales and understanding the business. Our first business was a brutal business. It was called Freestyle Media. It wasn't the best business. But it taught us, you know, a lot of the technologies and a lot of the dynamics of what it's like to actually run a company. And then I think the next level is when when what we, we sort of, I remember I called up one of the clients one day and I said, hey, you know, we've built your website for you. That's done. Now what else can we do for you? And they said, well, um, there's this thing called GoOogle. Uh, and do you reckon you could, you know, lots of people are typing that in. Do you reckon you can get us to the top of that? And I said, I'll figure it out. And so that, 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 that led to... go ogle. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, that, that, sort of, that sort of led to a good, you know, five to six years of experimenting and testing and figuring out how Google worked. And because that's not a traditional job. What you've cre- like, you've just created a business essentially out of nothing. How did you describe to people, you know, at a barbecue or at a social gathering where they say, well, Fred, what are you doing these days? These days, like, they probably didn't understand what you were doing. Yeah. No, a lot of, you know, m- most of the things I get up to a lot of people, yeah, I don't, I don't tend to do the same things a lot of other people are doing at the time. And, you know, that's what we got into cryptocurrency, you know, in a big way. We got into, um, uh, and, and, and cryptocurrencies, you know, you can still see it's still alive, still going on. It's still there. It's still there, yeah. <laughs> Bitcoin's not dead, you know. <laughs> um, and, and But it's unpacking those things which are a mystery, right, being curious and dumping, you know, yourself into something and learning it. And I feel that that's the place where I think a lot of creation and opportunity exists. And I love that. That's what I love to do. You know, that's what the internet was back when, back when my, you know, my early, you know, teens or late teens and early twenties is I saw the internet and I thought, wow, this is a, this is something new. You know, if I was going to start a business today, I would go and immediately launch a dark web website. Okay, tell me more about that. Well, I think the dark web is the future of the internet. It's just too early, you know, because your data is protected. No one knows who you are. Um, and it's a, it's a place. And Facebook has a website in the dark web. You know, CNN has a website. Um, New York Times has a website there. It, it's, it's, it's the future of where your data is not, you know, you don't know. Your data is your data. And... It's just, you know, it's a little bit bumpy today, but it's becoming smoother and smoother. And I think that's eventually where um, things will end up is that you'll have these two internets, one where every, like the, the government and, you know, big companies know who you are and what exactly what you're doing. And another internet where you can be free and you can be independent 
Um, and I think there, there, is a, there is a big group of people in this world that are becoming more and more cautious, um, more and more uh, sceptical about what other people know about them. And I think that's why, you know, the dark web presents a fascinating new place. It's probably a lot of people are already there, but not. It's, it's, it's the kind of, you know, I see like a wave forming. You know, like when the internet I saw that was I was on that wave. You know, we were. I can tell you a wacky story actually. Obviously, the cryptocurrency oh, wave. Sure. So throughout this COVID thing, I'll just take a take a side step for you. But you know, we did a we did a really fascinating pivot, and we spent I guess the last eight weeks. Um, we got into the um, face mask business. So face mask and hand sanitizer. Finder and- for face masks. Right, you know, we, we, we so we partnered with, um, we actually pivoted and we have this huge amounts of traffic and interest in it and we're like, okay, what are we going to do? So, we, you know, we did a deal first with Amazon and eBay but the problem was everyone was getting scammed on there. No one could tell it was a real face mask and it was a terrible thing, right? You know, a lot of people needed these masks particularly in our American business, right? And so what we did is we went out and called up these suppliers and we said, hey, can we... We found actual suppliers who had um, businesses, real businesses with actual masks and they're not trying to scam people. We said, okay, well, prove it to us. You know, and so then we used our cryptocurrency knowledge. We, used, we did our KYC AML on them. We did uh, we want photos of your warehouse, photos of your stock, show me your product, give me a selfie, show me your passport. Like, you know, all the due diligence as you could imagine you would need. And then what we actually did was we filled the gap. We filled the gap and we rode the wave of personal um, protection equipment, and it's been an epic, uh, you know, growth area for our business. Um, and and we've we've actually looking to build a whole marketplace business out of the back of this. Uh, so we'll be fine a marketplace, um, which will come out of this, you know, this 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 tough time. And you know, I think I think a lot of people have been obviously having a tough time throughout this, but I think this has been an incredible learning for us. Absolutely incredible. Do you think that that's a failure of some businesses where they think that they're pretty good at a certain thing, yet you know there's there's an entire opportunity that they're missing because of a you know a lack of either creativity or ingenuity or just you know taking a punt and and having a bit of a having a bit of a risk. I think it's about where. You know, what happened through this coronavirus is some businesses broke. You know, Amazon broke. Google broke. Uh, eBay broke. You know, the, the traditional giants of the internet, they, they broke. And that's because it turned, it basically, this virus basically reshuffled the deck. It re-dealt out the cards. Um, and, you know, I'll give an example. You know, you go into Google right now. Type in personal trainer in, you know, New York. You can't go and buy that personal trainer service. You know, they're not, you can't, you can't go there. There's, that's not, that's not the, an equivalent service. You need to buy a digital service or, you know, everything yeah, basically got turned right. upside down. And, and, and so what we did was we, we filled the gap. You know, we found the gap, the, the big gaps that were out there and we moved very quickly and nimbly, and that's what, you know, smaller companies can do, and we plug the holes. Um, and, you know, it was, it, it's, it's been a wild ride, um, that's for sure. Learned so many things uh, about e-commerce 
Um, like, I, like you got to remember, go back in time. Uh, we used to build e-commerce sites in our first business, mm. right? So we yeah. definitely had some experience in doing that. And so I was very comfortable with the whole thing. But I think you get into the intricacies and, you know, further into it, we we have, you know, created an opportunity, I think, where Finder can dramatically start to grow and expand in an, as an e-commerce business. So you could buy on Finder. So obviously... Coming out of COVID and the signs are good that perhaps there's light at the end of the tunnel, what are the businesses that you think are going to have the best chances of success uh, after this health pandemic? Well, I think the one, so I think there was a couple of things throughout this. One is, you know, you had to, did you adapt? Did you adapt? Like did you or did you just take it in the face? Because if you just took it in the face, you're going to be a well away back down behind the pack when it comes to expansion and pushing forward now. Um, mm. And if you adapted and you had some success, well, now you've got another business, and now that's going to kind of give you a little lever, and you're going to learn from that. Then you can look back at your old business and go, "Wow, we could probably do this, 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 and this so much better and more efficiently." And it kind of puts into question your, your new investments and where you should go. I think, I think companies which um, are digital in nature and have adapted to that previously, I think companies which were um, very adaptive, not necessarily as in-depth and as deep, but very um, quick to adapt, they benefited from this entire thing. They were the ones that have moved forward. And I think if they can now re-pivot and go, okay, instead of just being adaptive all the time, which is actually a great part of a business to always be in some way, shape or form, mm. but just to now reinvest in those investments that worked to double down, to go, okay, this is the part of that, I think, which is long-term scalable and it's you know in different areas. Um, and I think that is the, the moment in time when... Um, those businesses which adapted really well, they will start to really push ahead of their existing competitors and take big market share because they can invest in different ways the other ones can't. Where did the idea of Finder come about? Well, you know, let's go back in time. Um, it was 2006. And, you know, Frank and I, Frank's the, my, my co-founder um, of, of with me, Freestyle and... Um, and, and Finder wasn't actually called Finder at the start. It was called creditcardfinder.com. That's right. And we used to um, uh, have this theory that, you know, because we could build people's websites and we could market them on the internet, hey, why don't we go and build some of our own? So we built this little website, um, you know, or sort of a little business basically to house these businesses in. Um, mm. And... That business was called Freestyle E-Business back then. And we built a, um, I remember we sat in this, this uh, our, our big boardroom table at the time, um, which I think it was like an octagon. It was really interesting. It was a, it was a very, um, <laughs> it's just always early, early cage fighting. Yeah. We had uh, 14 pieces of A4 paper with about three dot points each and describing the business. And we laid them all out on the table. I said, all right, everyone, you know, pick your best ideas. 
And the ideas that came out were, um, you know, a Sudoku website, a Mother's Day presents website, we had a poker website, we had a sports betting website, um, and we had credit card finder. And we put them all live and we started marketing them. And, you know, the Sudoku side, we couldn't figure out how to make money from. Mother's Day presents only happens one time a year. And actually, there's a Mother's Day <laughs> present. <laughs> a very short window of opportunity there. Right. Um, and Mother's Day presents is now baked into Finder. Um, and we had, you know, we had a sports betting site. We thought, oh, I don't know, it, just philosophically, you win when other people lose. And I, we just, I don't know, we just felt like you're always playing against the customer. And I, I don't know, there's something about that that wasn't, just didn't quite align to us. Um, poker Champions, that was the, the poker site. We were selling uh, poker tables, poker chips all around the world as e-commerce. It kind of yeah. you know, bubbled along and, you know, and eventually it, 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 it made money. It was big during that Texas Hold'em period, if you remember back in the, the day. And then it kind of died off. And we we got out of that business. We well, we didn't really get out of it. We just sort of you know we just wound it back. It always sort of ticked over and made some money. Um, and then, but Credit Card Finder was was a, was a business that was uh, all year round. It had scale. It worked um, on the internet continuously, and every single thing we did. Every single thing that we knew about the internet and internet marketing added revenue to the business. It was like we, we just had our playbook and we went from page one and just executed the pages. And I think we're still up to page four, you know. Um, mm. the, it just fits so well into all of our masteries from our past. And... You know, I think there's a, a beauty in, um, in in doing, you know, helping people, right? In, in in helping them get themselves into a better financial situation. There's something good about that. And, and Frank and I were lived on, you know, tin spaghetti, and you know, when we when we, so we used to make bolognese, and if we had no meat, then it was a tougher week. And if we had some meat, then it was a great meat. And if we had salad, that was a great dinner. You know. Um, so, you know, we live very frugally and, you know, we still do. Um, but I think the, the difference is, um, the teaching people about those skills and teaching people about the things that we've learned kind of, it makes you feel good, right? And, and I think people get behind that. And I think there's a bigger mission, there's a bigger, uh, purpose in Finder. I, I, I think the only other thing a lot of people ask me is, you know, how did you come up with that name? Well, I just wanted to rank number one truly in Google for the word credit card. That was actually mm. yeah. what, I, what I was trying to do at the time. And so I basically downloaded all the top keywords out of Google and started from the top and I just typed in, because back then if you had the keyword in your domain name, it made you rank higher. So I literally just typed in every single keyword to start your credit card. Dot com to you? Nope, take it. Credit cards are coming to you? Nope, take it. You know, a credit card comparison according to you, taken. And just went from the top to the bottom. And number six was credit card finder. And I thought, well, that's available. All right, we'll register that. That's it. Done. Let's go. A business <laughs> was born. A business Pretty empire much. now. Let's let's go through some of the stats quickly, if we can. So I think it's is it it's more than twenty countries. 
uh, hundreds of employees. Give us a sense of the scale of what Finder is now in 2020. Yeah, well, um, you know, I think it's got to be, I couldn't tell you the exact numbers. Um, is definitely, you know, 300 plus people. Uh, we have, a, you know, a pretty sizable business in the US. It's about 70 people, about 25 in the UK, about 40 devs in Poland, now Wroclaw office. Um, Poland? Yeah, it's a great, it's actually the Silicon Valley of um, Poland. Um, <laughs> I know it sounds strange, but all the tech company here, Google and Twitter are trying to take our, our, our engineers now. Um, we were just early. Um, Sydney's still a big office for us. Um, yeah. And, and then Manila. And we just opened in Toronto. I was just there in uh, October. Um, and um, when you could still travel. Yeah, actually, well, I was in, I was, I went to London in um, February and uh, I couldn't buy any masks or hand sanitizer. And everyone was like, all the pharmacies were looking at me kind of strange. I was like, I want to buy, I want to buy some hand. And actually, I got, I eventually, I got, a, I got, a, I actually bought hand sanitizer in London uh, from a, a pharmacy. And, and then I don't think you could do that anymore. And then I went to New York in March, you know, and that's pretty punchy. Mm. Yeah, um, that's zero <laughs> when, now. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Westchester back then was um, completely, almost wasn't locked down yet, um, which, you know, where, where it sort of started um, in New York. Um, but, you know, we were hand sanitizing and, um, Doing, you know, we had our, our whole global leadership team. We flew in from all around the world, um, and the, the the issue, you know, people were looking at us really weird. And I just, I, you know, at the end when I left, I was like, if we don't leave now, we will not get back in our country. I could just, you know, I could sense it because we went to the pharmacy on the last few days, and all everything was sold out. You know, I think the hand soap sold out. Um, even the ingredients to buy the hand soap, you know, everything. Um, and, you know, I just think but that's just running a global company, right? You get used to that. That's just how it is. Um, I think that this has turned upside down work from home as well. So I was going to I was I was going to ask you that. So you you work in a in a big Sydney office, lots of staff. I do too, um, and all of a sudden it's everyone home, make it work, just get it done. When the, when the covers are lifted off, how do you think offices workplaces are going to reemerge? Because obviously things are, things are going to be different. They have to be different. Work the way we work will be different. What? How do you how do you see that playing out? I think that uh, the concept of work and how it's done has just changed forever. It always, you know, for us, it will. The majority of the crew that worked at Finder were, worked from home. Um, you know, there's 70 people in the US that work with us, but. 25 of them work in our New York office. You know, the rest yep. work from home from all the different states. And um, so for us, it wasn't really, it's just normal, you know. Um, I think there are a lot of other companies that was the same thing. Um, 
but I think there are definitely some companies that just were not adapted at all and they would never let their crew work from home. Um, and I think that potentially comes back to some older management styles. You know, if I can't see you, then you don't exist and those kind of things, which I can understand, but I think that's kind of been broken now. That's done. That ended. Yeah. Because yeah. it just is the line in the sand that finished it, nailed it in and went work from home to thing. In fact, I think, you know, I think we've been exceptionally productive throughout that. Um, you know, I think I think it just broke barriers. It's 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 proven and shown that you can run effectively. I think there are. I just want to put a big caveat and turn it completely the other way around as well, and submit that I think there are some businesses that just are still staring at the headlights, and they just hit the wall. Um, they didn't adapt. They 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 just took it. They just didn't know what to do. Um, and you know that's sad. I, I feel sad about that. Um, and but you know the, the the thing, for example, and this is I don't know, this is pretty controversial, but you know people say, oh, a lot of the retail workers they you know lost their job. The, the only challenge I have with that is, well, there are other jobs that just opened up. You know, there are like so many warehouses now that need new people. There are so many um, other businesses which need new people right now, desperately. And so I just think it's a transfer of, I don't think any jobs got, you know, some obviously got paused, but others got created as well. And so, you know... It's, it's an interesting debate, you know. It's, it's through you, these times that innovation is born. I I, I, I just see this whole, I, I love it because I love it when the deck gets reshoveled because I get to start again, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's my yeah. favorite time. So, um, but, you know, I think it's tough when you put that in context of things like, um I just think there are other consequences that have happened. And so I think a lot of people have been at home and they're feeling like a caged animal. You know, there's only a certain period of time when until you need to get out and need to go and do stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some people just don't respond to that well. Like they respond really badly. And I, I think, you know, that kind of cost, it's, it's, it's a silent cost and it's hard to see and it's hard to know. Um, because people feel embarrassed and, you know, they didn't realize they would feel like that and they didn't realize how much energy they got from going to work and seeing other people and how much they, they, they truly just loved and enjoyed that. Certain people, I think, on the other hand, that are very introverted have gone, wow, this is the greatest thing ever. Like, I'm loving it. Yeah. I'm loving it. <laughs> Can we work from home forever? <laughs> so, so then what what is the future then of Finder? I'm, I'm sure... I'm sure you've had approaches from private equity or companies wanting to float you on the ASX or the NASDAQ or a global exchange somewhere. What, what, is, what does the next five years, for example, look like for Finder? I, I think that there will come a point, you know, where we're – I think that, that we should share the investment opportunity and – with other other public you know, people from outside Finder, 
And I think that's that's perfectly reasonable. Um, and and we would you know use that capital to 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 direct towards our um, other investments and businesses because you know, it's just what what fun as a business. I'm just take myself out of it. But I look at it you know objectively. It's just such a broad based opportunity. You, you it just never ends. There are never is an end to what you can compare and what you can adapt and. So it's a, it's a beautiful, simple name as well. And people expect things from it. They, they expect, with the, it's what's written on the tin, people expect to know, you know, to, to, to go and get certain services. Like our app that we launched, you know, automatically compares your products. Um, it tells you which loans you're going to get approved before you apply. Those kind of services and uh, uh, innovations, right? And I feel we've only just begun. It's literally day one, again, today. Um, so I think that, Right now, we are continuing to, you know, reinvent ourselves again and again. And, you know, I see Finder not as a unicorn, but as a phoenix. I think it's a phoenix company because it continuously reinvents itself. It continuously grows stronger and stronger and stronger, um, and 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 becomes. Um, uh, you know, I I admire companies like Sony. I think Sony's a great company. You know, you you take a company. Which has been going for you know 50, 60 years, and it's it's it started out making RAM, you know, and then one day one day the chairman comes in and goes, "Hey, I've got this idea. Let's make a portable Walkman." And everyone, I could imagine, around is going, "What are you even? What? Yeah, what, where What's are you that? getting that from?" And 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 so you know they've invented this this new incredible consumer product. And then they've, they've learned, they, they've basically mastered the art of incremental improvement and incremental innovation, but then they'll go and do disruptive innovation and Phoenix themselves. So they'll go and, you know, remember it was like 10 years in of the Xbox, Nintendo had already been and gone, Sega had already been there, and then Sony 10 years later launches the PlayStation. Like that's just incredible. Like, like it is just profound to go and reinvent yourself in such a way. And, and I think that's the kind of, that's the kind of business that I admire. That's the kind of business I want Finder to be like. Fred Chibesta, the founder of Finder. It's been a pleasure having you on the program today. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much.